0: Greetings and salutations to all our fine podcast audience. We are here for episode 127. We made it all day long. And my name is Jason and this is Ed, this is Nathan, and we are the teaching team here at Community Christian Church having conversations, answering your questions, trying to think more like Jesus in our world. And today, uh, you know, last episode we had Lots of questions. From Sydney. From Sydney. One person gave us lots of questions. This one is one big question from another anonymous, per- not an anonymous person, someone who and no. corrected me last week. No,
1: he did. He corrected me. Yeah.
2: Feel, someone I, I, I corrected I now, me. I was anonymous in your memory.
0: I have been corrected. <laughs> not an anonymous person, but someone who remains anonymous. Right. That's right. Asked us this question, and it's uh, over a section of scripture that they would like us to talk about, and... Uh, I think uh, something that has been—I'm uh, going to read it. I got it. Well, know. I'm going to have it. You to right. read along? He wants to that. double check you. <laughs> double
1: checking me? <laughs> Are you checking? I just want to make sure I can remember what gets said because it, it's All a right. long passage. It I is a you. long
0: passage. It's 13 whole verses, and I'm going to read every one of them. But here's the question. This is good. I
2: have this one memorized.
0: Does <laughs> yeah, does 1 Corinthians five one through 13 teach us that we should excommunicate Christians who refuse to turn from their sins so that they do not corrupt? The rest of the church. So let me read the passage. This is a letter from Paul to the church at Corinth. One of his many, many letters that he wrote to them, which we'll allude to here in just a second in our discussion. Um, but here is what he says in these verses. It is actually reported that there is sexual immorality among you and of a kind that even pagans do not tolerate. A man is sleeping with his father's wife and you are proud. Shouldn't you rather have gone into mourning And have put out of your fellowship the man who has been doing this. For my part, even though I am not physically present, I am with you in spirit. As one who is present with you in this way, I have already passed judgment in the name of our Lord Jesus on the one who has been doing this. So, when you are assembled and I am with you in spirit and the power of our Lord Jesus is present, hand this man over to Satan for the destruction of the flesh, so that his spirit may be saved on the day of the Lord. Your boasting is not good. Don't you know that a little yeast leavens the whole batch of dough? Get rid of the old yeast so that you may meet a new unleavened batch, as you really are. For Christ, our Passover lamb, has been sacrificed. Therefore, let us keep the festival, not with the old bread leavened with malice and wickedness, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. I wrote to you in my letter, a previous letter, not to associate with sexually immoral people, not at all meaning the people of this world who are immoral or the greedy, swindlers, or idolaters. In that case, you'd have to leave this world. But now I'm writing to you that you must not associate with anyone who claims to be a brother or sister, but is sexually immoral or greedy, an idolater, slanderer, drunkard, or swindler. Do not even eat with such people. What business is it of mine to judge those outside the church Are you not to judge those inside? God will judge those outside. They expel the wicked person from among you. That last phrase is in quotations because he's quoting something there. And that is the, that is the passage. So, um, lots to unpack here. Um, I thought we would start by just uh, talking about the context of this.
1: Read, read their question again now that we've right. read the scripture.
0: Does the, do these verses teach that we should excommunicate Christians who refuse to turn from their sins so that they do not corrupt the rest of the church? And I just wanted to, because we always like to point out context so that we can be clear what we're reading here. And and I think it's important to understand that this was one church that Paul's talking to who had a specific situation going on. And so for me, at least, and I think this is an appropriate way to interpret Scripture, um, I, would, I would not run too fast into applying something that was said to a specific group of people sure. to every group of people. Right. We have to be careful about that. So, And I say all that to say that when we come across that type of uh, Scripture, what we can do is look for the principles that are there and what was Paul's aim in trying to do this. It doesn't mean that we can take this now as a blow-by-blow, step-by-step manual for how we should handle every single situation because I don't think that's wise either. Right. But there are things to learn here.
1: You know, if I had to say what was Paul's goal in this chapter, Mm -hmm. uh, I think he states it in some way. I was just, uh, it's an early part where he says, uh, where he basically says, we're going to kick this person out for the salvation of their soul. Yes. And so his goal in what action he's telling them to take is for this person's. So the person asks the question. Are we kicking them out to save the body? Well, Paul doesn't say that. Paul, I d- unless I'm... Well, Maybe
0: they're alluding to the whole the yeast part. and the dough kind well, of
1: Well, yeah, okay. They, he does. You're right. He does use yeast and dough, and mm-hmm. maybe everybody's going to be caught up in it. But I think the yeast and dough is more reference to their pride about this. Because hmm. he, he says, uh, you know, you haven't not only kicked him out, but you're proud of the fact that you haven't kicked him out. I yeah. think it's right after that. Then he says... Yeah, he
0: says in verse 6, Your boasting is not good. Don't you know a little yeast leavens the whole batch of meat? I think
1: it's their pride <laughs> yeah. that is the problem here. Mm-hmm. So I think when you universally apply it, what the way we would universally, if, if the person's question is, we need to protect the body by getting rid of sin. Mm-hmm. There is no possible way to do that because right. every yes. human being in the body has sin in them, mm-hmm. including pride. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> so if if that were the issue, it's this particular thing that had been brought shame because he said everybody everywhere is talking about this. Mm. That's one of the first he said everybody mm-hmm. everywhere that even outsiders this would be shameful for. That's right. Mm-hmm. That. Everybody everywhere is talking about this. Mm -hmm. So it's really for the witness and the salvation of that person. So it's really hard to take a first century situation where everybody everywhere is speaking badly of this thing and translate it into the 21st century and go, now what is it everybody everywhere would be speaking bad of Mm -hmm. that I can help the person and help the witness by kicking the person out? Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. Because those are the principles I see there it is. of I want to help the person because I want to do something to help save their soul.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I want to improve the witness and I want to make sure pride doesn't creep in it on our part.
0: Mm. That's a tricky road.
1: That's a really, really <laughs> narrow needle to thread. It is.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, and, and, and the reason I brought up what I said earlier, you know, that he's talking to some specific people, is I have seen churches uh, use this as a, basically an instruction manual of saying, well, whenever sin is found out in someone's life, then we've got this duty to, um, you know, and that, and in the church I grew up in, there was a process. They had a process of, you know, we, we confront the person specifically. If they don't change, then the elders get involved in a group of, you know, yep. people. And then we confront that way. And if nothing changes they would do the whole and this is from matthew 18 uh, where jesus talks about how to confront somebody and then they use that to then say then tell it to the church and i sat in a church service one time where there was some people that got up at the end of the service and said we've had a private conversation i took some witnesses and i talked to this person and so they ain't repented so now i'm telling all of you guys this person is done wrong and they won't, and it was some kind of argument they had and they wouldn't forgive somebody and there was a grudge being held and they just announced it in front of the whole church with the intention of saying, well if this person's not going to repent and change, then we're, we're going to shun them and we're oh, yeah. going to kick them out of the church. And, and I can tell you there was not one moment in my growing up in that church that harmed the body of Christ more than that moment.
1: That's right. I still mm-hmm.
0: remembered. I was a child. And I remember the, the feelings I had on my, the gut level, just a sick feeling that I had as these brothers and sisters yelled at each other in a church service. And they were, they would say they were following this scripture. Mm-hmm. And, but that whole thing, you, you pointed to this, Ed, the goal of restoring that brother or sister to salvation and to, to to wholeness again was completely ignored. But they thought they were following this verbatim and and they were doing they did nothing but harm the body of Christ. And and so I was and I and I was telling somebody this before we were recorded, we were discussing answering this question. I said, There's a lot of things that I can say. I'm not sure I know exactly what Paul was trying to get us to do. I know it wasn't that. Yeah. What I witnessed that day missed Paul's intention and missed the intention of Jesus completely. And so we can argue about the specifics, but that's I know that
2: ain't right. Well, and I think I think that is even a diff, completely different context. I get they used the word church, but their their version of church was not one hundred and fifty people right. who don't really know each. I mean, they know each other in the sense that we all go to the same church, but we're not all intimately involved in each other's lives. It was a household. It was a household, and so I mean, the the, the a closer modern example I think would be is you're at a small group. You guys get together every week for Bible study and you're, you're you eat a meal together and one person in that group is i'll just take an example start sleeping, sleeping with someone with his, else sleeping with his stepmom sleeping with stepmom or something everyone <laughs> in the group is. already knows it that's right because this isn't about am i bringing I'll take community Christian's thing. Am I going to the 11 o'clock service and going to stand up, and then you go, we all know what Bill's doing, and someone goes, I don't know who Bill is. (laughs) You mean Bill that guy? Oh, no,
1: not that Bill.
2: That Bill? No, not that Bill. Oh, that Bill? No, not that Bill either. Well, that's even more knowledge than 95% of people in community Christian. I don't know anyone at this church named Bill. Well, there's 17 Bills. I don't know anybody named Bill because I know me and my five friends. But that's equivalently that's right. what is happening in the example you exactly. gave yep. this example, and I think when you see it in that sense, you see why Paul is so infuriated. Mm-hmm. It would be like you went to someone's house every night for Bible study, I mean every week for Bible study, and you sit down and they're like, "Hey, I'm sleeping with my stepmom," and everyone goes, "Okay, hey, thank you. Thanks for sharing. You know what isn't God's grace so great that we let everyone and we're not and no one goes." No, hold on a second yeah you know and there's one guy in the because clearly someone told Paul it's one guy in the room goes we, we gonna we're not gonna bring up what he just said <laughs> I mean when you see it in that sense because what I what I hear even in the question is about this excommunicating it is such a modern context of spirituality is a private thing mm-hmm. that no one ever knows the details of my life and now you're not letting me come to a church building in a freedom of worship place and you're gonna to have to call the police to remove me from a service because I won't leave. That context is so foreign to what we're well, having. Well, and the
1: other context is, you know, I can see we're in Corinth where there's, maybe there are 10 household churches, mm-hmm. but they all have the same group of elders mm-hmm. that oversee all of them. They all work with Paul. They all know Paul. And if we kick him out of the church, it's the church. Yes. It's not community Christian and he goes down the road to Ebenezer Baptist or he goes over to Crossroads. And the moment he walks into that other church mm-hmm. who knows none of this, mm-hmm. they accept him like a brother. Yeah. That's our context. Yes. That's right. And so he doesn't feel convicted of his sin. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The church doesn't have the opportunity to restore him and say, hey, we still love you, man, but you've got to fix this thing in your life. None of this translates really well to our current context at all. What we have to figure out is, it has to, it has to be shared. Let's say, for instance, if I committed some sin, and that, I mean, that affected me and my family, and it's a, it's a deal. I do believe I should be talked to before the whole church yeah. because yeah. I have an impact on the whole church. Exactly. I have an impact but it should be taking place in the context of the p- impact this person has with the group that they have mm-hmm. in a place where the people that have been impacted can hopefully restore that person. Yes.
2: Well, and, okay.
0: No, I was, and I was gonna say um, for the benefit, and, and you may know this, the person who asked me this question, um, but I wanna point out something very important that most people don't realize. Um, You know, we have a a book called 2 Corinthians, which is another letter that Paul wrote to this very same church. And in 2 Corinthians, chapter 2 to be specific, Paul references this same situation again. And I'll remind you, he talks about, um, he tells the church, he says, I urge you to forgive and to comfort this brother so that he might not be overwhelmed with sorrow.
2: Mm.
0: What that tells us is, Whatever they did, I don't know. It wasn't there. Whatever the church did in response to this letter, this guy was still a part of that church. He never was kicked out.
1: Or not in the way we mean. Exactly. We tend to mean what the Amish mean by shunning a person. I can't talk to them. I can't be with them. I can't be around them. I have to totally put them out. But Paul means something about you stop being proud of the fact that we just accept it. And we yeah. say, we don't accept it. We have a thing. We're, it's going to cost us. Mm-hmm. We're going to have to work with you, help you. But you're still a part of us, and we want this part to be healed. It'd be like having uh, an infection in your hand and just going, hey, man, look at that. Isn't that a beautiful infection? Mm-hmm. No, you would care for the hand. and Yeah, it would... For a while, it would be hard to deal with, but you deal with it because it's your hand and you love it.
2: Well, and I was going to say, I think honestly, if you if you ask, you know, the person who asked this question, and maybe maybe your heart was just to figure out, are we excommunicating people? Is mm-hmm. that maybe that's, that's right. all you want to know? Yeah. And so I think we've answered. Well, and that. maybe you're
1: not even a part of our church, and you almost felt like you had a gotcha because I know that Community Christian allows people to come, and yeah. you know, yeah. I don't. We don't know. We don't know no, where this. What, what I was going to say from. though
2: is, if you're a So maybe you're not the person who asked it. Maybe you are the person who asked it. If you are a member of community Christian, I do not think we are in danger of currently being a church where someone's going to get up and just put everyone's business in the street and we're going to kick someone. I don't think that's our current danger. Where I do think we are, where I think many people in our churches is you're in a small group, and you know someone's sinning, mm. and you don't speak to them. Mm. You know a brother or sister is doing something, mm-hmm. and you refuse to. And once again, we've already said, don't bring it out on a Sunday morning yeah. service, but yeah. for you to be able to walk across. And so I'll give you an example of a way this happened. When I was, I, I used to lead a junior-senior group in high school, and we would regularly bring in upcoming sophomores into the group, and one person in the group had a problem with another person in the group and went on social media and just said, they call themselves, and they just they just blasted the both. of And then the other person who was currently a part of our group started blasting them back. And then I could see likes from certain people in the group and likes from other people. And so we just sat there at the beginning of the thing. And I just said, we don't talk about one another. We talk to one another. And this yes. is what I said, I said, if you don't want to do that, you don't need to come back next week now is that to say we don't love you we don't accept you it's to say because this is a small group this is closer to that home church context this is the community we're going to be we're going to be a community that when we have a problem we talk to each other and we allow place for redemption and healing and there was a little bit of not the amish shunning shame Mm -hmm. but a little bit of shame that went on those people and then i looked and i said to the rest of the group And I I, literally used the word shame on you. I said, shame on the rest of you brothers and sisters who watched them publicly do this and liked their things and took a side and said, I'm with them and did this. I said, we will not be a community where this happens. And anyone who doesn't want to have those kind of conversations, don't come back. There are other churches you can go to where everybody there you love. And you don't have any trust, but we're going to be a place. Now, that's not this exact situation, no, no. but it's to say sin will not just, we will not just pretend like it didn't happen. All of us saw it happen. Yeah. We're going to address it. And I know in many groups I've been in, I've had someone come to me and go, did you know so-and-so's do?" I'm sorry, I said that quietly on a thing for mm-hmm. effect, but did you know so-and-so's doing this? And we never talked to so-and-so. That's right. And we do believe sin is damaging And it is hurtful. And as you've already mentioned, there's a Matthew passage uh, that Jesus says, hey, first you go and talk privately. And then if you feel like they didn't listen, you bring a couple other people. And then there may be a context within the small group. Because I will say, take this specific thing. It is not loving to know someone is sleeping with their stepmom and everyone has accepted it. And for us to go, hey, we're going to continue to all do small group together in the same way as if this isn't a thing. There may be an appropriate thing to go, hey, I don't think I feel comfortable meeting at your house anymore. And I'm not, I'm not saying Jesus doesn't love you. I'm not saying we can't be friends. But the reason mm-hmm. we come together is for all of us to be vulnerable about our sin. And of and course, pro-
1: the way to start that conversation always is, Hey, I don't know what's going on. Right. I mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. I see this, mm-hmm. or I hear this, or you've said this, mm-hmm. and my interpretation is this is going on. And then when they confirm it, I go, "Hey, man, you just you and I both know that that's not something Jesus wants to have happen." And I'm ready to help however I can, however I can help you yes. out of this. And you notice we read the whole chapter here, and the person, you know, the it there's so many things in here that. You know, it, the big one is a sexual sin. But he goes on to say, hey, if you know anybody's greedy, mm-hmm. my goodness, our, mm-hmm. our, our our countries eat up with that. I like, yeah. I mean, I, I hear so many people currently complaining about the price of gas while going on vacation. Mm-hmm. It obviously isn't so high that you, I mean, <laughs> so obviously you have enough disposable income that you can still go on vacation. And you're just complaining because you don't have as much as you would have had. Yeah. And Maybe you need to work on, I'm just saying, greed is the sin of our culture and it affects the church well, too and we don't talk about it. We, and, 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 and then one. he goes drunkard and then he talks about, or he says, <laughs> my translation that I read here says, or talks bad about people. Yeah. <laughs>
2: that's what
1: trying to think well, it's slanderer. In this, uh, <laughs> do you know anybody that this one says? Wow, says so, terrible or talks bad. About so we
2: got to kick everybody out who does that. Yeah, I'm just saying. <laughs> or, or the first step we know of is you got to address it. And I think yeah. there is a because you talk about this one, but there are lots of places where Paul says, "Do not associate with divisive people." in your body mm -hmm. that within the church you and it's this by not associate it means the same thing if they continue to be i mean i know i use that example that was the example i had was this is going to divide our especially among teenagers mm -hmm. they're going to pick a side they're going to villainize one side it will split the group in half you either are going to stop being divisive or we're not going to continue this And we know in our culture, you talk about greed being a sin of our culture, divisiveness is becoming one of the biggest sins in our culture.
1: You know, I just finished writing a message, which I won't have delivered at the point this is broadcast, but it's about Jesus' prayer for unity. Mm -hmm. And uh, it is the thing that the evil one wants to stop the most is us to be unified. And everything in our culture, particularly in our culture where we're individualistic, We want to be individuals. I want to separate myself from people. And now politics, everything goes to divide. And Paul, in that passage you talk about, he says, you warn a divisive person once, you warn them a second time, and then you're done. You, You have no further interaction with a divisive person because
2: that's dangerous. It's exceptionally dangerous. Yes. And I think that's I think that's the the once again when we talk about the tension, often living in the kingdom is about balancing attention. And Paul talks about that. Yes. We're a no-perfect-people-allowed church. Yes, there's grace to cover everything. But then Paul says, does grace mean you get to just keep on going on sinning no. and doing whatever? No, that we have to live in attention. And he's already said it. This is not about judging outsiders. Mm, or I right. would even say a person who is coming to church for the first time and oh, no. they're, they're inside the church in the sense that they come, but they're not really a believer yet. Mm. This is about someone who says, I have been baptized into Christ, and I say I am committed to him. I'm committed to these brothers and sisters. It breaks my heart in the sense that we we could become so in love with, hey, everyone's forgiven and that's all that matters, that we allow people to continue to destroy themselves and to destroy other people. Well, that's
0: not love, man. And it it's is. not love. That's not love. And everything we do must be of love. Yes. And that That's that's why it's such a big deal to Paul. That's yes. Right. And, and I think, and I, I didn't say this earlier, but I was talking about the passage in 2 Corinthians. I encourage you to read it. We don't have time to read it. But if you read 2 Corinthians, specifically chapter 2, uh, he goes on this long thing about, I know when I wrote to you the last time it was hurtful and it was yes. hard to hear, but he says, you know, and he's, he's almost like binding up the wounds that he yes. on, he created in this congregation. He says, I did it out of love. I wanted to help and restore you. And that's, why, and that's when he comes and says, forgive this brother. Bring him back into the fold. I want to see you whole and united again. You get Paul's heart. I think a lot of people just read this chapter and here, expel the immoral brother, and they think, okay, let's go. And they don't read what Paul said later. And you got to do that. So I encourage you to read Second Corinthians 2, and you'll get more of what he was going after on that. So I just yeah. wanted to make that point. I so, think yeah, that's good. Do all things I love. I think that's what Paul would say as well. So y'all got anything else? We're getting close to time, so we can wrap up, or we can go.
2: I
1: think it's good. Yeah, I go back to the Nathan's example of with the youth groups. A really good example. Yeah, we are. Is supposed to judge each other inside the body mm-hmm. which means it is not loving like a parent who looks at bad behavior of a child mm-hmm. and decides "Ah, oh, that doesn't matter to me mm-hmm. it means you really don't care about the long-run health of that child yeah and if I can look at another brother and sister and go ah oh, that didn't impact me you're admitting I don't really care about them and mm-hmm. they, I'm not really connected to them mm-hmm. Which means one of the two of you probably aren't in the body of Christ. I Mm -hmm. and you know, I don't know which one of those would be Mm -hmm. (laughs) you Mm -hmm. for not loving them or them for doing what they're doing because they're both covered here. They're both in this thing that I can talk about a person badly, and or I can have pride that I just accept whatever they do. Yeah, I mean both of those are bad. Mm
2: -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there is a humility that requires me to accept. Uh, and I think this is harder in our culture, and I'm not saying than theirs, because clearly he even says the thing about the pagans are upset about this. <laughs> People on the outside would look and go, "Why are you doing these things?" But we have a tendency to live in a, well, you know, you do your way, I'll do my way, and who who is either one of us to say what's right or wrong? There's a humility that comes in to say I don't have to say what's right or wrong. God has made clear the path of life that is that. That through Jesus, He has revealed to us this is the path to life, and it is not sexual immorality. It's not talking bad about others. It's not mm-hmm. greed. In fact, those things are damaging to the path of life. Yeah. It is not me judging you. It's you said you wanted to follow Jesus, mm-hmm. and you're not doing that. Well, and neither do I perfectly. But that's why we've got each other. Right, we're right. here to we're here to hold each other up and point each other back. Uh, I just think there is a power in that kind of community, and it doesn't exist in the rest of the world. It is so unloving to just say you do your way, I'll do my way. Mm.
1: You do you, man. Oh man,
2: it is so unloving because everyone on both sides. And I've even had conversations. I have a person close with me who very openly doesn't believe like I do. They know how I believe, and they regularly say, "We'll just have to agree to disagree." And, you know, that's just the best thing is you do. But I know they think the views I hold. And I've said this, I know you think what I hold is unloving to people. You think that I'm very judgmental because of some of the thoughts I have, which I don't think I am, but they would go as far as say, you saying this is right or wrong or whatever, it's judgmental, which is equally true on their side. Yep. But they think what I'm saying is unloving. And I've said, I hope we never get to a point though that you let me continue to do and believe things that you think are unloving just because you think you I just gotta this yeah. is just what it takes because that's not you loving me if you think i'm wrong let's talk about it yep. anyway so
0: it's the thing i've said before you know we we've said that tolerance is such a high virtue tolerance is such a low bar yes it, it, it falls so short of love and ultimately what we want is not tolerance we want love mm-hmm. i
1: certainly do not want anyone in my family tolerating me nope if no. i if i got if at my funeral my whole family goes well, we tolerated him all those years. That doesn't feel very honoring to me or anybody they say it to. Nope, not at all. All right, well,
0: hope we got to, We hope we gave you some context, and hope we gave you some thoughts on that that maybe you hadn't had, um, but thanks for the question. That is certainly a, been a difficult passage for a lot of people. Yeah, um, because I get and I get why you would ask that question. So uh, thanks for giving us a chance to talk about it. And, I and hope it, it's helpful. a
1: difficult passage difficult. to apply. That's yes, right. it's a very difficult passage. It's like apply.
0: like a lot a lot of things in scripture is not a black or white, yes mm-hmm. no, right or wrong. It's a, a lot, there's a lot of nuance in that, and there's a lot of grace and a lot of uh, like I said, just looking at it from you know the point of. What what, what, we're, what we're trying to get at. And ultimately, as we've said many times, it's all pointing back to the love uh, of God shown to people through us. So okay. that's what we're trying to do. So again, hope that was helpful to you. And uh, we will be back next week. Like I said, we've still got some more questions in the hopper, ready <laughs> to go. And uh, so we'll get those to you next week. And uh, we'll be back. So y'all have a great one. See ya. Yeah, bye-bye.